Grace to you and peace from God our Heavenly Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation today is that familiar story Jesus told about the Good Samaritan from our gospel lesson. And we're going to focus especially on these words. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. This is our text for today. You may be seated. On September 11th, uh, 2014, Kristen Thompson was 22 years old and nine months pregnant. She knew that her little boy was set to arrive any moment, and, and so perhaps in an effort to stock up before the birth, she went to get some groceries on the east side of Flint, where she lived. Everything was just fine until she began to load the groceries up in her car when suddenly, out of nowhere, a man ran up to her, grabbed her purse right off her, and ran off. There she was, car door wide open, weighed down by the groceries in her arms and the baby in her belly, a helpless victim. But Kristen decided that she wouldn't settle for being helpless. Later she would tell reporters, of all the people in the parking lot, why would you pick a pregnant chick? I guess he didn't think I'd fight back. He was wrong. So Kristen ran after the man who had taken her purse and, and somehow caught up to him and confronted him. But when she did, he pushed her down hard onto the concrete. Thankfully, two teenage boys were nearby, referred to as Good Samaritans in the news story I read. They were able to, to stop the man, to hold him there until police arrived and to give Kristen her purse back. And six hours later, she gave birth to a healthy baby boy. Kristen had been in a, a tough place, victimized and vulnerable. She could not overpower the robber. Try as she may on her own, she desperately needed help. And God sent it. Well, today we focus on that familiar story that Jesus once told about another person who was victimized and vulnerable, who needed help. Now, this story is known throughout the world as the story of the Good Samaritan. And though this isn't really our focus today, it's important to remember how scandalous this story would have been. Uh, this hated half-breed, you know, is the, the hero of the story. I was talking to a friend uh, earlier this week and telling him I was going to be preaching on the Good Samaritan. And, and he said, yeah, the, the Samaritan is, you know, it's kind of like somebody from Millington being the hero of the story. And if you're from Millington, we're very glad you're here and we love you. And if you laughed at that, uh, this, this sermon is for you. So, this Samaritan, right, is the, the hero who shows compassion to a man in need when these two religious leaders literally go out of their way to avoid him. The story is told in response to the, the question of this lawyer who, who knows that God desires for him to love God and, and to love his neighbor, but then wonders aloud, well, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus answers by telling of a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, this uh, mountain pass with a distance of almost 20 miles and, and a drop in elevation of almost 3,500 feet. This way was infamous in this time for the, the hiding places where bandits would set up to prey on unsuspecting travelers. This dangerous area, maybe not unlike the east side of Flint. And so the fate that befalls this man, though tragic, is not surprising. 
Today, as we look at this familiar story, we will be focusing in on that, that little phrase that Jesus uses to, to set the scene when he says, he fell among robbers. Have you ever fallen among robbers? Have you ever had something that was rightfully yours taken from you? Have you ever been stripped and laid bare, <laughs> beaten and bruised, left barely alive? Now, hopefully you haven't had to experience what Kristen Thompson did. Hopefully you haven't had an experience like the man in the story Jesus tells, set upon by bandits and physically beaten half to death. But I think we all, to, to varying degrees at least, know a bit what it's like to, to fall among robbers, to have someone steal your heart only to break it and leave you reeling, to work so very hard and to devote your blood, sweat, and tears to your company, and then to be passed over for that big promotion, to be taken advantage of and, and used and underappreciated and ignored, to be robbed of so many years of life by an early onset disease, or to lose a loved one before their time. Yeah, we know what it's like to fall among robbers. But it gets worse, you know. There are three robbers in particular that lie in wait for us at every turn on the path. Three robbers that every single one of us must contend with in this life. Martin Luther talks about them all the time. The first is the devil. Just like the robbers on the road to Jericho, the, the devil loves to, to hide himself, to conceal himself, and not make his presence known so that he can sneak up on you from behind and catch you off your guard. He's a serpent who loves to slither his way into your life to make you question God's love and God's word. He's the father of lies who specializes in planting seeds of doubt and disobedience in your heart. The Bible says that he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That he comes only to, to steal and to kill and destroy. His ultimate goal is to knock you off of God's path and to strip you of the robe of righteousness that God gave you in your baptism. The second robber is the world. Following after Satan, its prince, the world wants to redirect our gaze away from Jesus and to the pleasures of this life. The scriptures warn us, especially in 1 John, not to, to love the world or the things in the world because the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. And if we want to, to hold on tightly to what the world has to offer, we will pass away too. The pain of heartbreak and, and loneliness and, and being overlooked and of losing our health or even our life is very real. But more dangerous still is our tendency to, to hold on more tightly to another human being than to God. To chase after worldly success or, or money or prestige. To find comfort in the love or approval of others more than in God's. To value this life in this world more than the eternal life that is to come in God's new world. This world is a place of sin and deceit, and we give in far too often. And so we find that the third robber is, in fact, us. Our own sinful nature takes up arms against us, allying itself with the devil and the world and leading us to avoid the good that we know we should do and, and to do the evil we know we ought not to do. 
It might be devastating to realize that we've all fallen among robbers, but even more distressing is to learn that we ourselves are the robbers. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, not half dead, not even mostly dead, just completely dead. St. Ambrose once said of the very first human being, when he turned aside to worldly sins, Adam fell among thieves, among whom he would not have fallen if he had not strayed from the heavenly command and made himself vulnerable to them. He received a mortal wound by which the whole human race would have fallen if that Samaritan on his journey had not tended to his serious injuries. In our sin, we were victimized and vulnerable. We could not overpower the robber. Try as we may on our own, we desperately needed help. And God sent it. God sent him. Jesus tells of how the good Samaritan happened upon this poor man on the side of the road and, and put him on his own animal and, and paid for the man's needs out of his own pocket. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done for us. There we were, stripped and beaten, left half dead and alone. But then he came, our good Samaritan. He lifted us up. He carried us far away from the place of danger and death. And he himself covered everything that was needed for our recovery. In his incarnation, Jesus had chosen to become our neighbor. But we did not love that neighbor as ourselves. We crucified him. Jesus fell among robbers when he chose to be nailed to a cross between two of them. The idea of a good Samaritan may have been an oxymoron to the people of Jesus' day. This contradiction of terms that just didn't make any sense. Still more nonsensical is the idea that the creator of the world would choose to die for us. Would choose to pay the cost for our eternal healing at his own great expense. But that is just what he did. And just as a Samaritan poured oil and wine on the wounds of the man who fell among robbers, so Jesus has washed you clean of every impurity by the pouring down of his spirit through the water and the word in your baptism. He gives you his own blood to drink in the wine of Holy Communion. He binds up your wounds with his word and his sacraments. As St. Augustine once said, you have been brought to the inn. You are being cured in the church. Here in this place, Jesus continues to heal you with blessings bought by his own blood. And if you somehow still think that, that you don't desperately need what he has to offer, I would simply paraphrase the advice Luther gives in his small catechism. He says, first, touch your body and see if you still have flesh and blood. And if you do, read what the scriptures have to say about it. Second, look around you and, and see if you're still in the world. Because if you are, there will be no lack of sin and trouble there. And third, he reminds us that we will certainly have the devil also around us, who with his lying and his murdering day and night will let us have no peace within or without. We need help. But these three robbers have no power over you anymore. Jesus has healed you. Jesus has paid the price for your restoration. And like the Samaritan in his story, Jesus has promised to return. And when he does, he will destroy the robbers once and for all. And make all things 
right. Until then, we have a job to do. Jesus ends this beautiful gospel story with what we call the third use of the law. This idea that now that we've been saved by grace, completely by God's doing and not our own, we get to respond in faith. And and how do we do that? Jesus says, you go and do likewise. We, the followers of the Good Samaritan, go out and be Good Samaritans ourselves. We live as he lived. We give our lives for others. The lawyer Jesus was talking to correctly answered that we are supposed to love God with all of our heart and and with all of our soul and with all of our strength and with all of our mind and love our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus then makes clear to him and to us that, that you can't do one without the other. In our epistle reading, Paul singled out the Colossians for their faith in Christ and their love for all the saints. The hope that they had in the gospel made loving their neighbor possible. And the same is true for us. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves, to show mercy to others as the Samaritan did, to to care for others and to love others, not just when they deserve it, but especially when they most certainly do not. We are to give when there is nothing in it for us. There will be plenty of opportunities to do this. One thing that the story that Jesus tells teaches us is that we don't have to go looking for our neighbor. He's right in front of us. In fact, it is avoiding our neighbor that takes the extra effort, just as it did for the priest and the Levite. We are with our neighbors every day. That's why they're called neighbors. And along with the lawyer, we too need to be reminded by Jesus that neighbor is not a concept to be debated, but an individual to be loved and served, and cared for. Leviticus 19 showed us some specific ways to love our neighbor, that if we have extra, that that we should give to those who do not have anything, that we should refuse to steal, or, or to cheat, or to lie to one another, or to take advantage of someone else's shortcomings, that we should be fair in our judgments, and in our dealings with one another, and that we should not hate someone in our hearts, or, or hold a grudge. These are all ways to love our neighbor as ourselves. And of course, there are so many more. The good Samaritan himself will will guide us and show us. As St. Ambrose once put it, Blessed is that innkeeper who can care for another's wounds. Blessed is he to whom Jesus says, Whatever you shall spend over and above, I will repay you. So let us love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us care for those who have fallen among robbers, for so have we. And the good Samaritan has come to rescue us all. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He has so loved us. May we go and do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, now and forever. Amen.